Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Home and Away, a Sporting Kansas City podcast. I'm Drew Vanderplug. I am joined once again by my good friend, Cody Welton. Cody? Hello, hello. Good, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Coming off of a very much needed three points on the frozen tundra last night by the U.S. Men's National Team, so I'm feeling a lot better than I otherwise would have. It was a relief, definitely. Definitely a relief. We will talk a little bit about the U.S. Men's National Team uh, after we get through some of the Sporting Kansas City news, some of the thoughts that we have on how they played over the last three games and what, what we have to look forward to in March. But this is a Sporting Kansas City podcast, so we're going to start with some Sporting Kansas City content. And uh, just kind of digging into the news this week, what has happened since we last recorded Really, the kind of key items of note are that we do have a couple of these U22 initiative players in camp now. Logan and Denbe did arrive in camp, uh, as well as Robert Volodair, as I am now aware his name is pronounced. Uh, both have uh, joined Sporting Kansas City, and actually both of them featured a little bit today in the preseason match against Portland. And we'll talk I, I a don't, little bit. Did Volodair play today? Yep. I, I he did. did okay yeah so he was he was in the second half he was in the halftime substitutes within dead Bay. Gotcha. so they both played a portion of the second half i don't know if they both played the full thing i would have to go back and do a little research on that but i do know they both started the second half so uh volader and in um with the team they did do a little bit of press yesterday uh to as kind of an introduction so um Volodair, a lot of the stuff, you know, I'm paraphrasing some of his comments, but he said that, you know, he very much likes to get on the ball. He likes to build from possession. He likes to be in possession. He's a left footed big center back. I, you know, the first thing I think is Peter generally likes to build a roster in, you know, levels, right? You've got, you've got, here's my starting 11 and here's my second 11. And who can I plug into certain positions if someone goes down and can take the reins? This guy sounds a lot like a Andre Ufantas type player. Yeah, and you know it's probably you know one of those sort of like for like switches. And um, uh, Fantas is not getting any younger, and so um, you know given you know he's he's already had injury uh, issues since he's he's been here at Kansas City, and it's probably a good idea to have somebody young backing him up. I, I think the 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 concern is you know. With as with a lot of these young players, is you know how much squad rotation happens, how much you know how much of a chance he gets to actually get on the field uh, and and play, and you know I mean you know we'll see. Yeah, I mean it's a recurring theme with sporting, especially yeah. over the last few years, is that there is a lot of aspiration towards building youth and building from the academy and using young players to sort of build the team up and creating an ongoing stream of quality as the team continues to progress so that they're continuously competitive. The problem we've run into or that we've seen over the last few years is unfortunately that hasn't panned out on the field. And there've been a number of reasons for it that we've talked about, but some of, some of them are injury related. Some of them are quality related. Some of them seem to be maybe a little bit of hesitance or an inability to have trust in certain players mm-hmm. uh, by Peter and the staff. Um, I, I would say that I'm of two minds on that. I do think that we need to probably be better about putting those players in the right opportunity to succeed. Yeah. I don't think putting, I think part of the problem is, is when we often see those players get in games, it's either in five minute cameos at the end, mm-hmm. or it is in a situation where the feature congestion has been so crazy that you've got five of them on the field at once. And that's not necessarily positive for creating, you know, helping them kind of build cohesion with the team and the quality of the team when you change out that many players, as we've seen with the U S men's national team over the last, you know, couple uh, world cup windows, you can often create more problems than you're helping solve. So you don't, I, you don't want to be forced to play them. Right. I mean, the thing right. is, is you should, you should avoid those problems before they happen. And, and the way that you do that is by, you know, 
is by is by playing them early in the season, um, playing them significant minutes early in the season, and realizing that you know there might be some stumbles, but you're playing them alongside you know uh, veterans or in back of veterans or in front of veterans, depending on where they are on the field, and so that you can you know you can paper over some of their uh, of their sort of naivete and their deficiencies uh, while giving them like you know real minutes in real games. Um, and yeah, I would, I would, I really just hope that that the team focuses on doing that more this year than they have in the past. And it makes sense that they would because they've spent money on these players now, right? These aren't just kids that um, that they've promoted from um, uh, from the youth ranks. These are these are players that they paid transfer fees for. So it exactly, makes, it makes sense that they're going to you know be more serious. I think about playing them for two reasons, right? There's the monetary investment that makes you you know, think a little harder about whether or not you're just going to leave them on the bench all season. But there's the other part of it is, is that you don't make that monetary investment unless you believe the quality of their skill is that level, right? You don't make that investment. And so your expectation then is that their quality is going to force them into the lineup. And that's something that Peter has talked about. And I don't necessarily believe that if someone is playing well, that Peter's going to hold them out. I just don't believe that. Um, I do believe that they're going to have to show him and he's going to be maybe a harsh critic until he builds some trust. But if they're good enough, they're going to play in my opinion. And uh, I think that you don't make the kind of investments you make unless you believe that they have that ability. Yep. And, you know, say what you want about some of the other players that haven't necessarily panned out. When you take a look at a, you know, a Wilson Harris who, you know, we thought, you know, after, you know, almost setting the USL scoring record, right. Or did he set the USL scoring record? And then, um, you know, coming to the first team and you're like, Hey man, maybe this is something that could become good. Doesn't play much last year. Gets, let's go trials with Toronto gets nothing out of it. Now he's with Louisville city and USL. Right. You know, when you see how some of these work out, we're not in training. We have a outside of view of it, but maybe that there's a reason why some of these guys didn't play when we thought they should have. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, it's not like, um, as you mentioned, it's not like, you know, most of those guys are going uh, somewhere else and having a lot of success. I mean, you know, you know, people like Tyler Pasher, sure. He got, you know, chance to play, but you know, he's not, you know, um, he's not an every game starter or anything like that. Um, so, you know, like I said, uh, one of the, one of the issues though, is that, is that, um, yeah, that, that points to maybe like, um, you know, they are, um, these are players who don't have the skill set that's necessary, but, you know, it also, you know, maybe not right now, but maybe in the future, you know, you, it's an indictment on the, the, the lack of development. And, you know, I think that it's just worth, it's just worth considering as we, as we go into the mm-hmm. season, you know, just thinking about where our development is, you know, how, how, um, how the club is going about developing young kids um, in order to either sell or to promote to the first team and, um, and, and where that stands in relation to other uh, MLS teams, because and obviously if you look at somebody like somebody like Dallas or Philadelphia, I mean, we're significantly behind those those clubs uh, in terms of, you know, getting um, young players to the point where they can make um, impacts with the first team. And so, yep. you know, I mean, it's and, and, and I don't know why that is. I don't know whether I don't know whether it's just a, a shallow talent pool or. Um, just the, a, the Dallas Metro and the Philly Metro are slightly right. different areas for scouting than right. Kansas city is. So Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to give a little bit of a pass from that perspective. Yep. Um, I, I think that the club is invested. They're obviously working on it. I've seen too much to believe that it's not something they're focused yep. on. And Peter talks about it too much for it not to be something they're really trying to accomplish. Yeah. I do believe that there are strides happening. I see certain players that I do think are going to make significant contributions over the next couple of years that I think will maybe change our point of view on this. I do think they got a slower start than Dallas and Philly did. So they're a couple of years behind. Um, but I would also say that you, 
you know, Peter talks about it so much and says, Hey, look, you know, I want a starting 11 of homegrowns. That's my goal. Like he's made that statement before. We're a long ways from that. I mean, I can't even give him an incomplete on that goal. Like we're, we're a long ways from that occurring. So I think that there's a reason, reasonable amount of, you know, cynicism, skepticism towards that goal, given where we are today. And I I don't think that that's unfair. I do believe that there are some players that are on this roster right now that will push into those levels of regular play this year that, uh, that I think will help sort of change the dynamic of that and not Daniel shallowly. Right. As much as I love Daniel, he's not a homegrown, he's a homegrown in title only. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think that, that there's some opportunity for growth there and, and what I'm hopeful for. And I saw, you know, I'm sorry that I'm bringing this up without, without doing my, having my notes in front of me, but we've got a U17 at the youth national mm-hmm. team U17 tournament right now. And I do for I, his name escapes me, but that is happening. You've seen a number of those kinds of things happen. Caden Pierre was of course at that tournament uh, a couple of months ago. So some of these things are occurring and the team does, you know, show some capability there. So I think that um, we, there are opportunities that are coming for some of those players that I think will be positive, but I hope so, because I mean, not only is it good for the club, but it's also, I mean, I think it's fun. Um, it's enjoyable as fans for us to see kids sort of matriculate up through the system. So yes. uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's not, it's not like, it's not like there are a bunch of kids from, you know, uh, the Kansas city region who are getting national team call-ups who aren't, you know, who aren't getting onto sporting Kansas city. Right. I mean, it's, it's right. So that suggests it's a, it's a talent pool thing more than anything. And, um, you know, the, I guess the, the question then is like how you fix that, but we don't right. That's a that's a subject for another day. We can kind of it's move a, on. It's a much deeper right. conversation. Yeah, sure. I'm 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 into that uh, that topic, sure. and so it's easy to derail on that. But we don't need to talk more about that today. So speaking of the you know the youth players that we have brought into the team, Boladere, I think strong, big, left footed center back who likes mm-hmm. to play out from the back. I I think that that's a great thing to have in the roster because I don't think that especially with Elie leaving for uh, LAFC, there wasn't another center back like that on the roster. No. So it, I well, think it's and good. I think that that's one of the, that's one of the takeaways from the first preseason game is that Cave Rod had a really bad game. And Did he? So, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, um, yeah, I, I know he's not that, that poor of a player, but he looked, you know, really overmatched and unable to play out of the back consistently. And uh, it was kind of concerning. But, you know, I mean, he's he's still a young player and, and developing. And so and I don't think we should read too much into it. But, yeah, it was not great. So that was I mean, I've always been a little bit frustrated uh, about Kabe Rod because he came, you know, camp last year was when he had just this breakout preseason camp. And everyone thought that he was going to be like the next, you know, he was, I don't want to call him the next Matt Beasler, but he was, you know, local guy that was going to, you know, homegrown that was playing really well. And there was just all of this promise. And when he played, it just wasn't great. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, he's young and I'll be honest. I mean, it's not often in MLS you're relying on teenage center backs. You just, just generally not the, the norm. So I've got some concerns about Volodare and maybe some naivete that might exist with a very young center back in a league where center back play has to be very, um, uh, you know, sure. Right. Um, and so I can, I can recognize where some of that stuff might come in, but I've, I've been a little bit frustrated. It seems like he's kind of gone the wrong way since he signed with the club. Well, and to be, to be clear for anybody listening, I mean, we, you know, the, the, the game today wasn't streamed. And so, you know, we did not see today's preseason match, uh, which was the first appearances for both Boladere and Ndembe. And so, um, you know, we've I've got seen, some notes, but yeah, yeah nothing, nothing we've more than the, uh, we've just seen highlight videos like everybody else. So, you yep. know, who knows, who knows how they're going to be. So, 
going to that, you know, from the press conference, the big quote that I got from Ndenbe that got me really fired up. Quote, I'm fast, strong, I like to run, and I like to defend. I mean, sold? Yeah. <laughs> Can I, I mean, I, I'm good with that. <laughs> I mean, a fullback that it's, I mean, that describes himself that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I did, I did, you know, just sort of, you know, via the Twitter feeds from Sporting KC Match Day, and Ali Trost was there at the game and, and tweeting a little bit as well. Um, Ali had made a, <laughs> I think the comment was, I can confirm Logan Adenbe is fast. Okay, well, that's good. That's good to know. Um, uh, good to have I, some athletes. More athleticism is always good. Yes. Athleticism was not necessarily something that was high on the list no. of um, <laughs> positive traits of last year's team. So I will take some of that for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that obviously neither one of us knows what this is going to look like for either of these players. And we probably won't have any real good idea until at least the middle of the season. And you're also talking about a 21 and 22 year old international player that have never been in the United States before trying to integrate into a new team, probably want to pump the brakes on any expectations, but I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what they can bring to the club for sure. Um, So, you know, all things considered, we knew, we were still waiting for Marino Sionis to um, get to the United States. Peter talked about, you know, just typical international immigration stuff that we, we had with Volodera and Ndenbe. It's just a waiting game until that happens, but um, very excited to have him join the club. When you look at the I mean, roster. Even him as well, like a, like a fast, you know, some mm-hmm. speed, some athleticism. Some, some and I think wings. that he can play both wings. I really yeah. do. Like, I think like that, that. Uh, what every highlight I've seen of him has been on the right as much as it's been on the left. So yeah. I think that there's some good opportunities there with him that will add versatility. Peter even talked about him playing either of the eights. I don't know if I necessarily want to see that given how many guys we have in the midfield. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know, in a pinch, you know, guys are injured, you got fatigue issues, whatever. Okay, fine. But I don't think that that's ideally where you want to see him, especially no. given how thin the forward line is. And I mean, that's so, the thing. You know, Kyrie is going to, you know, at the at this point, Kyrie is the only center forward on the right. roster. And, you know, and, and so if he's every game at center forward, now you don't have uh, backup wing options. Um, and so you know, we definitely need uh, players. Right. And that's what Peter talked about again today, or excuse me, yesterday was that, you know, we're still looking for another striker. We know it's a position of need. We have, you know, Brian Bliss was quoted. So, uh, uh, you know, saying, hey, look, we've got some money for this position. The reason they were asking him about it was because of the rumors that were rolling around about Jota Jota Macias. So Juan Jose Macias, um, goes, you know, known as Jota Jota, Spanish. It's a Spanish word for J, for those of you that don't know what that is. Jota Jota Macias is um, an extremely um, positive prospect for in the Mexican, you know, football community. Uh, a guy that has some caps for the Mexican national team. There was a lot of talk about him, you know, why he wasn't on the Gold Cup roster because he had had a spectacular season at Chivas um, playing as their, you know, starting number nine uh, for the entirety of that, of the 2020, 2021 season, and then gets a loan to Hitafe. And for whatever reason, his loan just did not go very well at Hitafe. I don't know if Kike just didn't like him for some reason. I looked at Hitafe's roster and it wasn't like there's some, you know, well-known center forward there that should have been starting over him. I just, there might've been a fit problem. I'm not sure what it was, but there was a lot of rumors around about sporting, making a move for him. It would have had to have been a young DP move. Some talks, some of the talk was about a loan. Some of the talk was potentially a transfer. I'd have been surprised if they did a transfer, they could have done it because he would have qualified as a young DP. If they can buy down Johnny's contract, you put him as a young DP, the salary cap charge is so low that it basically is covered by the replacement rule stuff for, for Alan Polito. It, it absolutely could have been done from a salary cap mechanisms perspective, but 
I don't know that most of the folks on that are out there when they heard this rumor understood the level of player that he is and what his quality is and how he projects. Um, there's a lot of folks that think that, you know, come 2026 that he could be the starting center forward for the Mexican national team. Like he's, he projects at that level. And um, I was extremely excited when they started putting this stuff out there, trying not to get too excited about it because as we hear now, probably unlikely that this move happens, but we're talking about a guy. He's like 5'10, 175, 22 years old. Like he's, he's not a small center forward. He comes back to the top of the box and combines really well. I he drops the ball off really well and he can score with both feet. I mean, he is the epitome of the guy that you look at, especially at 22 years old and go, man, like, can I get this guy um, on my team? So I, I was very, very excited just to, for the prospect of it even happening. And the fact that when they talked to Brian bliss about it, he was like, yeah, yeah, we know who he is, but I can't really say anything other than that. And then Peter yesterday was like, yeah, we, I know who he is He's a great player. We like him a lot. Can't really say anything other than that. When they, when they say it that way, it usually means they're trying, they're trying to get him on the team. They, it's, it's, it's not, Peter would tell you, nah, we're not going that way. Like he specifically said, we're not signing another DP. And then here we go with this whole kind of rumor and he's not really squashing it. So I, um, I, you know, as we hear now, it looks highly unlikely. It looks like maybe he signed an extension with Chivas or something along those lines where he's worked out a deal with Chivas to come back to uh, come back to the club for this season. Um, obviously they recalled him from loan, but the reason they recalled him from loan is I think that there were multiple offers, both within Liga MX and, you know, sporting or some other MLS club for him. Other, so other, that, yeah. There were, uh, there were multiple Liga MX clubs. Who were right. And, and the, I'm not surprised. Like his yeah. quality is such that there are many clubs that would like to have him. I mean, if I'm Chivas, I put him back in the lineup. I'm not going to move him to another Liga MX club and watch him score against me. Um, right. But the only reason that they would move him to sporting is if they were getting a transfer fee out of it. I, I don't. So that's, that's where this conversation goes. Like, why does he not make the move to sporting? Honestly, I think that there's a world cup roster component to this. Tata Martino has not been the nicest to Mexican national team players that are in the MLS as far as playing time, which I find surprising given the fact that he was an MLS coach for a couple of years and, you know, is very familiar with the league and its quality, but he doesn't seem to be too interested in giving time to players that are, um, you know, playing in MLS. It'll be interesting with Carlos Salcedo if he ever gets back into the national team now, because now he's at, you know, Toronto FC, he had his whole sort of dust up with Tata and hasn't been on the roster for a while and they could use a quality center back. Um, he he's, you know, he may be frozen out forever now that he's at Toronto. Um, Chicharito, you know, who knows what the issue is there, but you can't tell me that he wouldn't be helping them score goals right now. They like, they can't find the back of the net. Uh, They're worse off than the U S men's national team when it comes to finishing chances, at least in the center of the field. Right. If Raul Jimenez isn't on the field, they got nothing. Yeah. Um, And you know, like uh, Julian Araujo, He's a fantastic right back. If, if he had not chosen Mexico, you, you cannot tell me he would not have been on the U.S. men's national team roster the last couple cycles, and he would not have played some of those games. And he barely got on in a cameo at the end of the game uh, last night. And I, I just don't get it. They had Cata Dominguez playing right back in that game. I, it's, it's just – I bring up all these examples because – I don't believe that Tata necessarily is giving a whole lot of um, space and time to MLS players when it comes to the Mexican national team. And if you're Jota Jota Macias and you're trying to get on the national team, you, you know, you've had a couple caps under Tata, but didn't get on the gold cup roster. Um, didn't get on, haven't been on any of the world cup rosters yet. You probably want to get back to Chivas and start scoring goals again in Liga Mekis so that you can, you know, put your case out there for Qatar. Um, yeah. you, I mean, you can't, you, you can't ignore like the, like the political component too. Right. And, you know, 
uh, e- even now, it, you know, Liga Mekis teams uh, and fans, L3 fans, uh, they look down on MLS. And so, sure. you know, uh, uh, Tata's already on the hot seat. And so, you know, I, I guess it makes sense. They had, they had 2,000 fans at that match, um, that that match they had at the Azteca. What was it? Uh, this weekend. And 2,000 fans after they got that nil-nil draw at the Azteca, and the 2,000 fans were doing the Fuerza Tata. Like, if you don't like the seat's hot, <laughs> I don't, I mean, they, they didn't even have, like, it was just this it, these hand-picked fans yep. because they can't have a soccer match at home without yelling homophobic slurs. So they have hand-picked 2,000 fans, and they still were doing the Fuerza Tata. So every every national team has issues. It's not just us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Makes you feel a little part bit of a, better. Part of a gig. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get into those. We'll get into those uh, those folks uh, later when we get into the U.S. Men's National yep. Team discussion. Yep. But I had some. I had some. I was very excited for a couple of days. I was like tempered excitement because I wasn't really certain that this was going to happen, but I was hoping very much hoping that Hoto Hoto Macias would, would come to, because if he came to sporting with the young guys that we have around this, I don't, this team would have been flying. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a next level, like coup for that to happen, to lose Adam Polito for the season and pick up Hoto Hoto Macias to replace him. That would have been a huge deal. And I do believe he would have fit really well. He plays a lot like Polito. He very much does. He's, and I don't say that just because they're both from Chivas and, you know, you know, all the comparisons that might exist. He really does. He drops deep and releases. He's like I said, he's can score with either foot. He's very good in tight spaces. Like when he's, when there are multiple defenders around him, he doesn't lose composure and he, he moves the ball, the small amounts, right. You make those small touches to sort of create spaces, even in tight areas. It's all the stuff that you like to see. So, oh, unfortunately, it doesn't doesn't. It looks like we're going to be, yeah, you know, with with, with with Shelton for yeah, and at this point, it seems like it's gonna that that's how we're gonna ride until the summer window. So we'll just have to yeah. see. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the summer yeah. for sure. I, unless it's some domestic guy that you know is a Eric Hurtado esque type signing, right? That is yeah. not really that earth shattering. But we need a player. For sure. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. So um, we did have a preseason game last weekend. Uh, Saturday was the first one that was streamed, televised, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I did not get to see this game. So Cody's going to have to break it down for you because he did actually see a lot of the stream. So that was against Colorado. Um, Cody, take it away. I'm going to leave it with you and kind of tell us, you know, what you saw in the game. Obviously, it's preseason. So we'll take it. As best yeah, we can, but what, what did you notice? And the, the stream was an adventure. That's uh, <laughs> that's the first place to start, but it ended up being okay. Um, <clears throat> they fixed the issues that they had, and um, and most of the game um, was watchable. Um, you know, the 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 starters. Uh, well, I'm not going to go through all the you know who all was playing and and uh, go over all the roster, but um, it was basically the starters um, um, to begin the game and you know they looked really good honestly um the game ended in a tie so obviously they didn't score but you know johnny wrestle uh really looks good like he you know didn't miss a beat he's in he's in shape he's in form uh he's taking people on and beating them he did it again today in today's um um preseason game uh, so it's, I mean, you know, in, in, in one respect, that's really, you know, good to see. It's really heartening, uh, that he's ready to go. Uh, but you know, it, you know, we're, we're going to keep talking about this is, you know, he is, you know, he is getting up there in age and, you know, we don't want to burn him out. Uh, oh man. Are you going to do the peaking too early thing? Hey, man, oh, man. I'm telling you, I, I, you know, 
I'm over well, well over 40. And I can tell you that you know, you're, when, when your body doesn't cooperate the way that it used to. And, and yeah. I just worry, I just worry that the grind is just going to be a lot for him. And well, you know, but that's where you hope that Sionis absolutely and some yeah. of these other potentials allow us to keep some of the miles off his legs because yep. that's the idea you want to try. You, I mean, I think you ride him as long as he's doing this good, but as soon as you see the metrics start to drop, you're like, okay, let's, let's ease off. Let's get you some time. Hopefully that's, that's what happens there. Um, it does go straight back to things that he said in press conferences in camp. He's mm-hmm. like, this is the most fit and ready I've been ever been yeah. in a, in he's, a, in a he's, preseason he's camp. Up for it, man. He really is. Uh, you know, I, um shallow looked okay i don't think he did you know he didn't he didn't do that much either you know good or bad uh you know shelton was you know what we've come to expect and you know his touch let him down a few times and and uh and so i mean, i think sporting fans just have to go into the season uh kind of at this point is expecting that he's going to be the center forward and realizing that we're going to have to sort of work around that and you know, use, use his skills the best that we can and get scoring from other places. And, um, you know, that's probably mean talked about this before, but it's it's, it's Kyrie Shelton has a lot of value to the, absolutely. You have to stop acting like it's some sort of negative when he's on the field at center four, because I don't believe that's true, but it does. I mean, I I do think think it's a negative. I mean, I, I I understand what you're saying, and he does do a lot of good things, sure. But you know the problem, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later as well. When you have a center forward in the system who who doesn't contribute goals, you know, whether it's with Sporting or whether it's the U.S. Men, um, that that's a problem because you know because where else are the goals going to come, right? And and the immediate place you look is to the wings, and you know. Um, as we talked about last time, it's hard to expect, you know, our wing, uh, you know, Johnny and Shallowy to have, you know, banner years the way that they did last year. I mean, maybe it'll happen, you know, right now it looks good, but you know, other than that, where are your goals coming from? Right. Right. In the U S they're scoring yeah. goals on set pieces and so, that's not generally something that sporting does. Well, they did. They did last night. They, those are the first set piece goals they had all year, but we'll get into that later. But yeah. they definitely they, they needed those set piece goals because they weren't creating them otherwise. Um, maybe my question for you then would be, um, and, and that's where I was getting with Kyrie is my concern with him is he can make the offense a little one dimensional because he's not creating situations himself. You're basically either tucking in a winger or playing, you know, shallowly tucks in, Johnny goes 1v1 on the edge of the box. Those are kind of your options, and you do look a little bit like the U.S. Men's Men's National Team at that point with limited ideas other than banging in crosses beyond that. So my question is, did you see anything from a positioning perspective in that Colorado game where maybe we had one of the eights at the top of the box or doing different stuff? combination wise or was it more uh, of the same no no i mean they looked they looked like the team that played last year uh okay. for the most part and i mean I, I, they looked really good i i thought I, I i was happy with what i saw and and you know i will say that you know uh roselle looked great and i was really concerned about you know maybe a, a lack of athleticism uh but you know, looking a little bit deeper into it, I mean, he's had the last two years, nothing but injuries, you know, and concussions and then uh, leg injuries. And those are the things that have really kept him out of Orlando's lineup. And, you know, Orlando fans thought that, you know, with him in their lineup that, you know, they had, you know, a lot of chances to do uh, a lot better than they ended up doing. Um, And so he was still a key player is, is kind of my point. And uh, he, he, I was really impressed. Like I said, I thought he looked great. I thought it was going to be, you know, Mari coming in and, and uh, taking over that position, but I'm not so sure. I think that's like a legitimate position battle. Um, and, and, you know, the nice thing is Mari can also play, you know, one of the eights. He hasn't been on the mm-hmm. field yet. So we'll, you know, I don't know why that is. Um, it, but... it sounds like if you're reading between the lines, maybe a injury knock sort of fitness yeah, problem it, related to. You, you kind of got to read between the lines. Yeah. Then yeah. There's not, 
there's not a lot of information. So Peter well, made mention before this game that there were a few guys that weren't available mm-hmm. for the match is the way he phrased it. You know, you've got to take it your own way about, you know, what that means as far as fitness, be it a knock, be it a fitness for camp, be it whatever it is. Um, ben Sweat, he specifically singled out as just, you know, we're being careful about how fast right. we bring him on after his knee injury. And sweat sweat makes, played today, but it was limited minutes. Like, and- Yep. 15 minutes. I think he played today, 15 or 20 minutes. And it was a, it was a planned sub, yep. but he did start with the quote unquote first team, you know, starting 11 guys. And then they pulled him off. Um, I think, you know, Uri has an opportunity because Maori is minutes limited as well. Like he came on for a little bit today and with at, in the second half, but did not play the whole half. So I think that there's, opportunity here for Uri to, you know, put his stamp on that. Right. If, yeah. if Jose Maury is not going to be, you know, playing 90 is not 90 minutes fit. You've got an opportunity then, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of, you know, compete for that job. And this is something we did talk about a little bit before that I think is valuable about how the roster is constructed right now is that the majority of positions, there are at least two guys Mm-hmm. that you would be fine starting matches yeah, the forward starting line different players yep. the forward lines a little different um mm-hmm. it's going to be a rotation of guys throughout those positions you know just because it's it's and the the financial structure of mls is such that it's very difficult to have six guys up front that you'd be fine any of them starting right it's just unless you're the most expensive they're the most expensive positions on the field yeah mm-hmm. i would i would kill the Pry Garth Lagerway away from Seattle, but, um, but still for the most part, it's very difficult to have six guys that you'd be good with starting on the front line. Just the financial aspect of it, it would make it very difficult, but everywhere else on the field, you can see the roster is built in a way that it's built for competition and it's built to keep people on their toes and it's built to kind of, and if there are injuries or fitness problems or any of those kinds of things, you have a next man up kind of capability, which I do think is good. And I do think it pushes all of the different players. Um, So I'm interested to see. There's an Academy prospect named Kobe Jones who played in that game. And um, you know, cause we have no left backs. Like, I mean, right. none <laughs> with yeah, Ben right. sweat, Ben now sweat barely played. But, but he also, and, apparently he can play on the wing too. I mean, he played left back yeah. in that game and he was, he was like, good. I mean, um, he, he did the defensive work. He did the, uh, he got forward in attack. Um, he didn't look like, you know, a, just an Academy player. And so there's something to keep an eye on. I mean, I doubt he's not going to be, you know, like, a, like on the match day squad or anything. And I'm sure he'll play a lot of minutes for SKC too, but it's just something to keep in mind is that, you know, there are, you know, there are, there are, there is some quality, I think, um, below. So we'll just see if it's, uh, if it manifests. So he got nine appearances last year for SKC two. So yeah, you would expect that that's probably yeah. where he's going to spend the majority of his time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's from Topeka, grew up in Olathe. Like you know, those are these are the kind of players we're talking about, like building yep. from within the metro. So I, I'm all for it. Like I said, Indenbe had just gotten to the club when they played this match, and you know Ben Sweat, you know has his own. You know we got to be careful about how bringing him along. So it makes yeah. sense that different guys are out there. It gives other people an opportunity to show something, which is how Kaveh Rad got that contract. Right? He he <laughs> he played really well in camp when he had the opportunity. Yeah. Um, he, speaking he, of which, he was, he was not good the other uh, in yeah. that the Colorado game. And you know, if you want more information about that, you can go read the Blue Testament. But you know, I mean. Um, Luckily, we have. I mean, we have other options there, right? We have Volader, we have uh, the draft picks. So, you know, it's not. I don't think that situation is done I mean, at all. There's a reason that he didn't play, right? I mean, it goes back to the thing that we were talking about—the hit. Yeah, we like to kind of get after Peter for not making the rotation that we want, not bringing the new players along, and we see guys. You know, we go, we see Seattle, and they've got, you know all these youth players that they're bringing in and and sort of merging with the team at the same time that they're bringing in all these other players. And they're doing a very good job of being competitive while bringing on their Academy guys at the same time. And you kind of go, why can't we do that? And and 
I think that I mean, it's definitely like, not as easy as some clubs make it look. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not. And it's also, I think it's indicative of the talent that was available. I think if Jalen Lindsay and Felipe Hernandez are available all season, you see it, you have a different feeling about yeah, this at the I end agree. of the year than you do right now. So, oh, and, and, you know, Hernandez played and, and he uh, played mostly in the second half and he was, he did a very good job. And, you know, he, he, uh, he was the set piece taker in the, in the second half and he did well with that. So I was happy with that. So uh, good segue into today's preseason game against Portland. Um, this was not televised. So really all the information that I have is based off of Twitter feeds and things of that nature. One of the things I found very interesting Remy Voltaire is taking free kicks now um, almost apparently almost scored on a 30 yarder. Like, you know, it was just over the bar kind of situation. Just didn't dip enough. Um, I, that is a development I did not expect to see, but um, I think, I think honestly, he, I think he has the potential to be the best um, long distance shooter since uh, that we've had since Benny Felhaw. Really? And really? so, yeah, our, uh, our old, our own James Ward Prowse. Uh, yeah, like I mean, the guy. I don't know about that, but <laughs> that would be great. Um, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's good, and not just on free kicks, but also in the run of play too. And it's good to have, it's good to have a player who can keep teams honest and you know set pieces. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about this a lot, I'm sure, during the season. But set pieces um, have, I think, been. Um, dodgy at best for this team the last they've not been a strength right yeah. they just have not um and it's been a problem for several years yeah i mean it was better last year than it had been in the last few the, the years the years previous but it was far from good right well the and the I, year before last they like led the or at least for a time they were leading the league in and set piece goals but they were all the weirdest flukiest yeah. you know trash goals you could think of so um, it would be nice to get some consistent production and we've got, you know, if we have somebody who can deliver them and we have, you know, uh, Izzy and, and um, um, I don't know. Yeah. Is Volodair maybe a good aerial yeah, threat? I don't know if he is or if he great, isn't. Right? That would be great yeah, if he is for sure. Yeah. So we'll have to see, but um, yeah, I was, I, it was interesting to me to see Voltaire taking free kicks. Yeah. I'm very interested to see his progression this year. Now that he's sort of in with the team, I think that we, he was his first couple months were a little spotty Mm -hmm. with the club. And then, you know, he was going between playing the six and not and playing the eight. And then finally we saw him get us, you know, stretch of matches at the eight. And you're like, you started to see what he was capable of doing and he's good. He's a good soccer player. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, his second year with the club really sort of getting involved. He's got, you know, that really good friendship with EC. They got the little French connection thing going on. Logan and Denbe said that it was nice to have a couple guys speaking French on the team. Although he's, he said that he was very clear that he's trying to speak um, English to everyone, just, you know, everyone be on the same level, but it was nice to have some comfort there with some guys that speak French as well. But um, I think that I'm looking forward to both EC and uh, Voltaire kind of making a step this year. Yeah, um, just easy. Easy being on the, field. Being on the field for twenty-five matches would be great. Yeah. To be completely honest, yep. absolutely. Um, so Portland match today. It was a two-two draw, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, Sporting was up two nothing at halftime, and then they subbed everybody off. Yeah. Um, and so there. Uh, so Raj and Ben Sweat both started. Ben came off in like the 15th minute, 20th minute, somewhere in there that they, so they, and then Raj was about the 30th. Both of them are kind of fitness issues that Peter was clear about that. He's just trying to manage. So those were planned subs, but otherwise it was kind of like the quote unquote starting 11 that yeah. you would expect. Um, it was, it was EC Infantas. It was Zussi at right back. It was uh, Raj, uh, Uri, and who was playing the left number eight? Um, 
we say I'm going sorry, guys. This is this is what happens when when we think we have everything planned out and we don't. So oh, it was I'm oh, gonna, it was Uri, Remy, and Roger. That's that Remy, Remy, of course, yeah, Remy Voltaire, Roger, and Uri. Sorry, guys, we'll be a little bit better about that in the future. So, um, you know, a, a starting midfield like you would expect, and then of course, shallowy shelton russell across the top so it's pretty close to what you might expect to be like if we had to play a game tomorrow yeah starting 11 yep um and it looked like it from how the sort of the results of the events were occurring on the field um sporting scored early EC coming ranging forward from the uh from the center back position uh there's a good uh replay of this goal on sporting Casey's uh, Twitter feed where, you know, he's kind of ranging and then he uh, does a little bit of a, uh, he, he ranges forward, pulls a couple guys forward to him, drops it off to Zussi on the right and then continues his run. And Zussi does what he does. He just drops an absolute dime right on his foot. Um, uh, Shallowy makes a near post run there, which I think helps draw some center backs off. But I mean, Zussi just loops in a ball that just, I mean, you see, he one times it. I mean, it's it's a 20-yard ball that he's got a one-time into the net, but, I mean, it literally hits the instep of his foot on the fly. So, um, EC, you know, maybe he can be the backup striker if we need him to because he obviously knows how to get on the end of a cross and jam it home. But um, it was a very nice, very nice goal. And then the second goal, Johnny Russell just puts Claudio Bravo in the mixer absolutely just spins him does the johnny russell sort of faint to the right cuts back in onto his left foot and just puts him on his butt far corner left footed just bangs it into the side netting it was the quintessential johnny russell goal but i mean it's it's one we've seen a number of times and you and i laughed about because it's like how do you not know this is coming um i've heard comments from folks that have played for sporting in the past when Johnny was there. And it was like, even when you know that he's doing this, it's still really hard to stop. Yeah. Because he's, because he can go to the end line on his right foot and then dribble around you. Like you still have to respect it. And it's just the way that he does it. it it's very difficult to defend when he's on. I think Beasler said it, but I think Beasler has been, has been on the record saying it's like when he's in the zone with this move, it is really hard to defend. And we saw Claudio Bravo. Uh, yeah. His struggles with such a more, thing. more of that, more of that. If we can just keep yeah. that going, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. So back to what we said before, Johnny, obviously he's ready to go. There's yeah. a really good video on sporting's Twitter that I think went up yesterday where he's um, doing um, chest touch volleys uh, on goal against Pulse Camp, and they're having a really good kind of battle between the two of them that is a fun one to watch as well. Um, but he, he's, he's taking it off his chest and, vol- you know, taking it off his chest, 180 volleying it, and every single one was on frame. Like, I mean, Pulse Camp saved a couple of them, but they were great saves, by the way. But Johnny is – he's he's – Right. He's fun. He's he's a fun player who he's a tone setter. Um, you know, obviously he's captain now. And, you know, it's just in some respects, he's kind of like our, you know, Weston McKinney, right? He's he he brings it every game. He he you know makes sure that everybody's loose and 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 having fun. And you play better when you have fun. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Exactly. Exactly. So we're great. It's great to see that. So at halftime, they make a bunch of changes, and then in the second half. Portland gets, uh, I got a goal from a guy that was a Portland rising trialist. Yeah. And then like at 90 plus six, they equalize after, you know, both teams had made multiple line changes. So I, you know, I'm not necessarily as concerned about that as I am about the first half, which was fairly dominant for sporting. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately we don't have a whole lot of tactical, you know, evaluation to do here uh, because well, and not, not that it would be that useful because I mean, you right. never know. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like preseason in American football, you know, you never know if, if they're, if they're out there to work on specific things and, 
Um, and, and if they are, you know, that might sort of color how the game looks tactically. Um, but, you know, so far so good, I guess, you know, it's that there's, you know, everybody is either healthy or working their way back to full health other than, than, um, other than Polito. So, uh, things are good so far. Absolutely. And I think, I, that, I don't think any of, they, they haven't announced that any of the other preseason games are going to be um streamed some potential the one against phoenix phoenix rising might okay, be, that would be that's nice. what i'm hearing but um i think that might be the only one from, from yeah. what i understand so we'll have to wait and see. it's 2022 man let's let's <laughs> this is somebody well, just put your put your well, iphone with, up there let's see it with the, with the mls freaking broadcast rules like you, you got to be in like a 70 mile radius anyway to even yeah. watch the damn thing so or, or pay 160 bucks to spectrum well, not even that. Like they had a they had a block. So the game that was was um, streamed on Sporting's website. Um, if you lived in St. Louis, you couldn't watch it because St. Louis is going to have a team next year. So they yeah. were in the blackout zone. Yeah, I don't know. Going okay, we don't like St. Louis anyway. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, the other thing that I just the last thing I would say about that game that it was good. And Denbe and Volodare both got on at halftime, got some minutes mm-hmm. with the team, not in the starting lineup, but they did get some minutes out there. And Denbe picked up a yellow card two minutes in. <laughs> but um, I did also see that, you know. It's okay to let them know you're there, you know. You apparently. Gotta, you got to serve notice. Yeah, exactly. He was playing hard. And then apparently he also um, made a really great recovery tackle in like the mm-hmm. 78th minute, which – I like to hear that because recovery tackles were not Luis Martinez's forte. That was not, not something you often saw from him. You're so, being so, you're being so kind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is not really what we, what we would expect him to do. So um, I, I like to hear that. So all that stuff is good. We'll wait and see across these other preseason games, uh, you know, how things go, but. Also, preseason results are preseason results. I'm not necessarily concerned with the scoreline and more like concerned with how the team's playing. Yeah. We can only take so many things from what we know so far, but, you know, we'll talk about them at least. Hey, everybody, it's Drew. Uh, Cody and I went a little long this week. We had a lot of thoughts on both Sporting Kansas City and the U.S. Men's National Team. So I decided that we're going to split this into two episodes this week. So this is the end of the Sporting Kansas City content for this week on the pod. There will be a second episode posted that is a continuation of our conversation where we get into U.S. Men's National Team performance over the last week, and it will go up at the same time as this one. So hopefully these will be in a little bit more palatable increments for everyone, and we hope you enjoy uh, both conversations. Thanks. Start doing it. Start doing it. Start doing it.